Denver Sports Station 1043 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Andrew Mason joins us live from the Combine coming up in about 15 minutes. Looking forward to that. You know what I miss? First-hand observations. From Andrew. Numbers. Yes. We have not played Andrew's numbers game where I guess what the numbers mean that he lays out there. If he says... 7%. Yeah. Your job is to figure out what that number means from the last Bronco game. Right. Well, 7% right now would mean the number of quarterbacks who will actually become franchise quarterbacks <laughs> out of this draft. Well, it's funny you say that because I, I was looking forward to listening to uh, Sean Payton yesterday because it didn't work out with Russ. And... What what I, I want to know, I want to get an idea, I want to get a vision. What is Sean Payton's vision of of what he wants in a quarterback and what does he want that he wasn't getting from Russ that was so obvious that he wants to move on from Russ? So I was listening with interest because I knew the questions would be asked and the uh, the folks there did not disappoint. So uh, here's a little bit on on what he looks for in a quarterback. I think there's still some things that are paramount today at some point teams are going to make you win from the pocket you know, like we can we can rush a certain way to keep a quarterback from escaping um and so you know we're going to have to be wherever you're at proficient enough on third down to take a snap find a throw and protect not surprised that this is and it's it's something that you've beaten to death, but I think it bears repeating over and over and over again. Uh, it, it's great to have a quarterback that can make plays with his legs. It's awesome. But, man, when it's all said and done, he better be able to dominate from the pocket. Mm-hmm. And just beat the devil out of him. Yeah. It's interesting. Like, there are these – there's just different people, but have percentage charts of – where your high, like where your high percentage completions come from. And, you know, you got to have a mixture of those throws in certain areas because your percentage drops precipitously based upon where you throw the ball. And so one of the highest percentage areas to throw the ball in, according, like, and I'm sure everybody's a little bit different, but if you break the field down, so like, like a like a shot chart type. Yeah, like right. a shot chart. Okay. So if you break the field down and and so you look at a field and it it's just, you know, lengthwise, right? He's drawing pictures, people. Okay. Where you have where you have your like in the box area. So tight end to ghost tight end, right? So if you're in solo formation or whatever, but tight end to tight end, about eight yards deep. That box right there. So it's where the linebackers would stand, all that stuff. That box is an 80% completion box. If you throw the ball in that area, you're going to get about an 80% completion rate. Then when you start looking at the sidelines, right, to 15 yards, anywhere in that sideline area beyond that 8-yard box to the sideline is about a 60% rate, right? And then anything beyond that 15-yard range outsider in the middle of the field is about a 30% completion rate. 
And then in the middle of the field, you know, beyond 15 yards, it drops to like a 54% rate. And so when you're calling plays, you've got to take into consideration, hey, man, if I want my quarterback to be in a rhythm, those are rhythm areas. That 80% box lets me get back into a rhythm. And so I wanted to go from, you know, from nickel guy to, you know, nickel to edge guy inside that area, get my quarterback back in the rhythm. And then, of course, you know, the bubble screens and stuff are, you know, 89% or 90%, whatever. But those are some areas I want to hit to get a rhythm back before I start going down to the 60% area. And and so as you're calling plays and if your quarterback is struggling to get in a rhythm, here's where I want to get him in a rhythm. Well, if your quarterback is rust and he can't see, like – that's not where I can get him into a rhythm. So correct me if I'm wrong. For some reason, I could just picture Drew Brees playing quarterback, and I just uh, completion, completion, completion mm-hmm. over and over again in the middle. Yeah. Same with Peyton Manning, Tom right. Brady, just over and over. I can't, in my mind's eye, remember a whole lot of Russ throws like that. No, because that's not where he's that's not where he's proficient or where he's good at. So, but it's just is it's interesting. Like what you're looking for, where you're trying to place the ball. Now, every everybody I'm sure has different charts and different, you know, where we're throwing the ball and what percentage. But that was just one of the charts that one of the coaches shared with one of the professional coaches shared with me. Here's more from and the way they think about it. More from Sean. How quickly can they process the information? Um, for some, when you get them in rookie minicamp, you realize it's ah, I've, I've been with the. A rookie before and, and just feel like this is not how I wanted it to go. Um, he's having trouble spitting out the plays. Maybe it takes a while. Um, maybe maybe that's something that you realize is going to be a hindrance or set him back. And, and one more, because it's just it's so painfully clear what Sean wants. I think one thing that's hard to measure is their ability to multitask and process and make decisions. It's one thing like you can visit with someone and you know they can be intelligent but man how quickly can they deliver the information and how quickly can they get through the progression um are they accurate there's some fundamental things that we have to see that are present just in three answers right there you 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 got such a clean clear idea of what he wants in a quarterback and why it didn't work with Russ no. and this is not this is not a knock on Russ because Russ Russ is way, 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 way beyond the curve when it comes to having been a successful quarterback in this league. His style has won before. The, the problem is you hired Sean Payton. You traded for Sean Payton. You're paying him a lot of money. And once you make that kind of commitment, you got to let him come in and coach the kind of quarterback he wants. And when you listen to him talk about what he wants – Clearly, there's a there's a Grand Canyon size disconnect between what he likes and what Russ does. He he basically just told you in a nutshell in three answers why Russ will never be his quarterback. He can't spit out the plays. He can't process the information quickly enough, and throw it with timing and accuracy and anticipation. He just basically told you. This is why Russ is not my quarterback. He cannot do the things that we need to do to be successful at that position. And he just told you. And 
whether that was consciously or subconsciously, you know, he's just rolling through the things that, you know, that can't get done. I think one of the things you have to understand about that position is it's not just spitting out the plays. But when you spit out the plays, you've got to be able to see that formation in your mind's eye. Okay? And then you've got to be able to recognize what the defense is that they're playing. And then you've got to be able to say, okay, if they play this, this is where I should go with the football. If they trick me pre-snap and they rotate post-snap, then I should go here with the football. And then this is one of my criticisms of college football. You don't eliminate a side because you're either running mirrored concepts or you don't eliminate a side because you're not coached to read the defense. You're just coached to read a guy. And you get away with it in college because you play so many plays so quickly that defenses can't adjust, so they just play the same damn defense over and over again. And so you you get to the point where you don't actually process any information. It's throw it to the number one guy, or if that guy gets covered, pull the ball, scramble around, it's a scramble drill, and let's go make a play. What I want to know is what we heard from Sean yesterday, what I just played for you right there, is that is that unusual? Meaning you you have conversations with these these coaches all the time. If if you're talking to Kyle Shanahan, is he giving similar answers to that, like that? Oh, yeah. Sean McVay? Absolutely. Mike McDaniel? 100%, yes. You see where I'm going. This is not just a Sean thing. Right. So the, the, the notion that Sean is somehow being obstinate or stubborn and uh-huh. rigid and, and, and won't... It, it, these other coaches that I just mentioned all would answer those questions the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So, if if those quarterback, if those coaches go out and try to get quarterbacks that they feel are fit their style, and, and also that they can talk and share. I, I get the sense watching Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford, for example. These two are finishing each other's sentences. Mm-hmm. These two are reading each other's thoughts. Correct. I would think that probably the same thing exists with Kyle and Brock Purdy. Am I wrong? No, 100%. So is it wrong that Sean wants that? No. Every every guy wants every guy wants that and you hope that you can get that. But this goes for any position. Doesn't doesn't matter what the position is. Your ability to take in information through your eyes to disseminate the information and to react instantly based on what you see is a skill. It is a God-given skill. Some dudes possess it. Some dudes don't. Now, if you're an exceptionally gifted athlete and you have the ability to take that information in, disseminate it, and instantly react, you're a Hall of Famer. Now, if you're an average athlete, but you have that ability to disseminate information and instantly react, you're a great player. There's very few that are gifted with both, but you can be an exceptional athlete. You can have all the God-given ability in the world, but if you can't take in information, disseminate, and react instantly, 
and be right in those reactions, guess what you can't do? Regardless of how good athlete you are, you can't play. Question is, how do you how do you determine that this guy's got it and That's, that guy doesn't? There's the sixty four thousand dollar question. And, and I'll right tell you there. what, if you knew the answer, if you know the answer, let thirty two NFL teams know because they would they would love to hire you. Mm-hmm. Coming up, Andrew Mason, live from the Combine, next. Ever since we got Xfinity, we have Wi-Fi all over the house, even in my hiding spots. Ha, found ya. How? That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. Now through March 21st, get started with 200 megabit internet for $25 a month for two years with no annual contract and get Wi-Fi equipment included. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless plan auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Taxes and fees extra. After promo, regular rates apply to internet service and Wi-Fi equipment. Actual speeds vary. Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents Schlereth and Evans. Andrew Mason, stud at uh, denversports.com, orange and blue today with Cecil Lammy. They're out there at the uh, Combine, Mm -hmm. and uh, he joins us now, Andrew Mason does, on the Johnson Auto Plaza hotline. Mace, how's Indianapolis? It was balmy two days ago. It is frigid now. In other words, uh, just typical Midwest, but no, it's... Going well. It's it's uh, pretty busy. We uh, caught up with some of the front seven guys uh, this morning. We'll have plenty of stuff on that on denversports.com. Probably one interesting thing is a guy that I really like as a run defender, uh, Fabian Lovett, who really stood out at the Shrine Bowl, actually had a, a formal interview with the Broncos uh, this week. And not surprising, considering how awful the Broncos' run defense was last year, that uh, – they appear to be looking at players who can try to change that narrative. Huge open-ended question here, so I'll just toss it out. General observations from your time around George and Sean Payton yesterday. Um, I thought it's... I mean, general observations, first of all, I mean, you know, quarterback was obviously the primary topic of conversation. I thought it was interesting that... George Payton talked to, you know, expressed an openness to trading down from 12. And when he was at one point, when he was talking about quarterback evaluation, pointed to mistakes that get made in the first round. Whereas Sean Payton, when he was talking about quarterback evaluation, basically said that he felt like, you know, a lot of teams, you know, miss at quarterback in round one, but that based on the process that he's going through, that they feel like they have that, that they'll be able to take advantage of that and do better. So I thought that was interesting. There's a lot of comp. There was a lot of confidence from Sean Payton uh, that uh, they can identify the right quarterback uh, for for his scheme and to make things work. And I thought the two of them, the contrast in their responses was kind of fascinating. You know, it's it's interesting because I listened to that Sean Payton kind of quote about the quarterback and, and figuring it out and about how other teams make so many mistakes. It's really tough for them. And that felt like to me, I'm not gonna chase I'm not gonna chase one of these quarterbacks that's not NFL ready. So which always leads me down the rabbit hole. Do you trade back? Do you go out there in free agency and pick one up? Did you get any sense 
as an organization of somebody maybe they really like or if they don't really like anybody that they'll they'll move or like what what's your overall sense of what their game plan is going into this draft and going into free agency in regards to the quarterback situation? I mean, I think the start is I expect that they will add somebody in the next few weeks to have another veteran in there. But that, that doesn't by any means preclude them from drafting a quarterback. I think one of the, the, the senses that I, that I got is that from the coaching side of it, they've really only started to get into accessing all the information that they're going to have. Like, and it's going to be thorough. I mean, basically, this, you know, the last couple of weeks they had their meetings and they were you know, studying film, and that's a starting point. The next point is sitting down with all of those quarterbacks here, and then it's going to go to pro day. And, I mean, at, the, at one point, you know, it's just probably sitting down and having dinner with the, these quarterbacks and kind of getting a feel for, you know, a feel for the, you know, a feel for their personality, a feel for, you know, uh, you know where they are in terms of the cerebral side of the game. So I – it's very open ended at this point. I think more. I think so. I think it's pro, it's premature to say that they love a quarterback or don't like a quarterback. I think they're at the state. They're at the stage where they're just beginning to gather all the information they want. And I think probably a month from now, after going through combine, pro day, individual workout, and I expect some are going to be in the building on top thirty visits that they'll have a better sense of uh, of if they are targeting a specific quarterback. Andrew Mason at the Combine. Mason, you've been doing this for a long time. You've been out at these uh, showcase uh, events where, where players are showing off what they, they can and cannot do. Sean yesterday was saying, hey, there are some traits in a quarterback that we all should be able to figure out. But the one uh-huh. that is the most difficult is just that ability to process uh, yeah. in, in, in all the years that you've been looking at these quarterbacks, ha- have you been able to I don't know. Have you been able to figure out any kind of sense as to who has it and who doesn't? And and maybe it's as simple as even in looking back on what your evaluation of a guy was, ended up being surprised that that guy didn't have it or have it. Is it is it truly that hard to figure out? It is, and part of it is like you know we talk about the processor, and of course that gets to, to the cerebral side of things. You can be really smart in in highly intelligent in every way, and it may not translate to quick to to rapid processing. And I'm not just talking about seeing things pre-snap. It's about ingesting the information and being able to quickly apply it to your to actual practice and game work. Actually, going out there and doing and, and doing it. That's that's hard. What you can now, what, one of the things you can get out of like the next couple of days, for example, is you can get a sense for like how quickly they can kind of ingest the information and relay it back. That's one of the reasons why you know you have kind of the whiteboard exercises where you know they'll throw a concept out at you early in the interview, and you know twelve minutes later after the to- after the topics have gone in a different direction, are you able to kind of uh, you know 
to spit that back out. Sean, and actually, Sean said something interesting yesterday that sometimes you get to you draft a guy and then you get to a minicamp and you find out he can't get the play call out in the huddle, right? I mean, that's you know, but there you know there, there are ways you can kind of come closer identifying that, but there's no foolproof thing. And so basically, like what he was saying is, you can get you, you can figure out everything else whether they're, they're accurate enough whether they got, you know, enough uh, arm talent, whether they're a good leader. You can, you can get a sense on that, he said, by talking to, you know, teammates and other people around the program as well. And you can even get a sense on a lot of these things by sitting down with them and having, you know, having dinner and figuring it out. But the processor is kind of the one thing that's, uh, that, that, that's, a, ver- that's a variable, and that is where the risk kind of comes into play. And I agree, and I kind of agree with that. That's the one thing that you kind of look back at quarterbacks and you're like, okay, where were my misses? It was on. It was on stuff like that as as well. Like it, that, that I missed my evaluation. Thinking back through the years, where were you right and where were you wrong? Do you have any like, man, was I wrong on that guy or wham? Was I, you know, was I, I mean, was I really right on that? You, many, anything stand out to you where you misevaluated a guy or you really nailed a guy? Okay, um, now this is way way back, but. In my college years, I covered arena football. This was in the 1990s. And I thought, and when Kurt Warner got a chance, like got signed to the Rams to their practice squad, I actually, I thought, okay, he can actually become something if things break right. Because he was so, his decision-making, and again, it's kind of the processor, in that in that compressed environment of an arena football was so quick. The question was, in arena football, you don't have to make all the throws because it was a shorter field, and of course the caliber of athlete around him isn't the same. So how is it going to translate? But he was able. But he, but but he processed and he and and he you know read a defense so quickly and had and had a good and had a good arm that I thought okay maybe there's something there. But it was like a maybe right. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll say like, you know, um, a, a, play, a player that I was right on in terms of not working out was Mitchell Trubisky. Um, a player that uh, I, I, I will admit I, I underestimated Josh Allen um, and, and, the, and the, the processing part of it. Um, I underestimated his ability to become more accurate as well. So I, I really missed on Josh Allen. Um, but yeah, like th- those are a couple that come to mind. Um, actually, like in the uh, in the 2017 draft, until everything, you know, all the other stuff with Deshaun Watson, the massage therapist, and all that. But it's like three years in, when it looked like Watson was one of the next great quarterbacks, that was one where like I had Watson as my QB one, which I guess was kind of a miss because Patrick Mahomes was QB one that year, as it turned out. But uh, like I had like I had I had Watson, Mahomes, and then a, a gap to Trubisky, so. That was one where I think I I think I came out okay on that, but mm. you know I mean think like I've got a, we've all got a hell of a lot of misses, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's the draft. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, it's it's I mean the first round the, the the success rate of finding a quarterback it's still higher in the top half of round one than any other point in the draft, but man, it's still about like depending on which metric and and, and where how you define success, it's still around like. You know, anywhere from thirty-five to fifty percent, depending on how you define it, right? I mean, it's tough, and and and, and I and I get this, I get the, uh, 
the, the trepidation that executives have. I mean, because look, I, and if you're Sean Payton, I mean, if if you draft a quarterback in round one, I mean, you're probably you're staking your success or failure in Denver all, potentially on that quarterback or maybe that quarterback in combination with whatever potential bridge you bring in. Because I expect the bridge they bring in, fellas, it's not going to be like a 12- or 13-year veteran. It's going to be one of those types of veterans who ha- who is younger and has some potential upside, you know, like – like a like a Mac Jones, for example, like a you know, or a Sam Darnold type of quarterback. Well, that's what makes what he had to say yesterday so fascinating to me because you're right. If he stakes his claim to a young quarterback, he is putting his reputation and legacy on the line because we'll all come back to that comment of, well, yeah, we're we're actually better at it than most are, and we're kind of counting on that. <laughs> so yeah. you know, you you put yourself I, I, out there. So I, I give him credit, but now you better deliver. I, I th- exactly, but I, I think if I, I think he wants to have two arrows in the quiver rather than one, as in like the 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 four to six the, the three to six year veteran that uh, needs some of what John Elway once called football rehab, and then a rookie of some description. I think I think he wants to I think he wants two shots at the bullseye. I got you. I got and, you. And what? Which you know, hey, and I think, and, and look, I, and I'd say this: like, if you if you gave Peyton like those like two chances like that, I think there's a pretty decent shot one of them's going to work out just fine. Good stuff, Mace. You and Cecil continue to do a great job. Appreciate it. And I I recommend it, and I I recommend again everybody uh, go back and check. Mace's article at denversports.com about how he meticulously lays out the moves that can create, what, upwards of $64 million of cap space? (laughs) Cap space! Not not dead cap, cap space to go out and use. It was a master class in breaking it all down. By the way, Mace, I need you to write an article with a bunch of numbers in it so we can play the guess what Mace's numbers game is. He misses this. Something about the draft. Something about percentages of backers or whatever. I need something. Mace, thanks a lot. My, my pleasure, fellas. You have a great day. Andrew Mason, live from the uh, Combine in Indy on the Johnson Auto Plaza Hotline. What's Trending? Coming up next. Here's Schlereth and Evans with What's Trending right now. What an accomplishment. Kale McCarr, 25 years old, five years in the NHL, already the Avalanche all-time leading scoring defenseman. Passed Tyson Berry last night with an assist. He has 308 uh, points. And uh, Jared Bednar, very, very proud of McCarr. I was just like thinking about his age and how much hockey yet he still has in front of him to be able to, you know, it's a pretty good franchise. They've had some pretty good defensemen play here for long periods of time. Um, and to, so to be at the top of the list already, that's pretty impressive. I mean, because he's got so much hockey left to be played, probably his best hockey yet to be played. Mm-hmm. It, it he's really a, happy he's part of the organization. Yeah, it, very impressive, but... It, for a franchise like the Avs that has been as successful as they have been, it's it's kind of underwhelming the list of defensemen when it comes to career points. It's when you look at other organizations mm-hmm. and you look at where their top defensemen are, 
Now, when it's all said and done with Kale, he's going to be representing really well the Avalanche as to sure. hey, the all-time leading Avalanche defenseman compared to other franchises. It's right. going to be. But right now, we're, we're talking about some some other teams where they've got defensemen who have uh, 1,000, 1,100, 1,600 points. Right, but I, I think but three hundred and eight is kind yeah. of considering the defensemen that the Avs have had. That might be a number that might shock some people. Uh, that it's not higher than that. Yeah, although how many defensemen over the years have been really good in transitioning to offense? Like there's like Bork did that for years and years and years, right? But Footer was never like Footer will flat out tell you, and listen, man, I didn't have skate well enough to to dip into the offensive zone, right? Because I couldn't get back or whatever. Like, and I'm not talking out of turn. Footer and I are good buddies. Yeah. So, like, like, but like, all right, take Rob Blake, who spent some time here. Yeah. Okay. And certainly if it, if he had been here for a lot longer, your, your number would have been, McCarr probably wouldn't have passed Rob Blake yet. He'd be, you know, right. still chasing Rob Blake. But, you know, Rob Blake played for three different teams, finished with, 780 career points, you know, and that was still moving around to a a couple of different teams. So, Uh um, but the Avs, especially when you look at the guys they just passed, Tyson Berry, yeah, Yeah. good player, nothing great. John Michael Lyles, good player, nothing great. Um, Sandus Ozelinch, good player, nothing great. Blake was a good player now. Blake Blake was was a a great player. But Blake, like, uh, back then, though, with with Footer and Blake, those dudes were, like, in comparison, like when you're looking at Sammy Gerrard or even McCarr. Right, right, right. Those dudes were huge compared to, you know, kind of the offense. Although Bork was a big guy. Yeah. Blake had that big old butt. And he would just. He Blake would just, had a big old butt. He, oh, yeah. He would do one of those hip checks and he would just he would just back back you up right into the boards. Mm-hmm. That big old booty of his. That's right. Sir Mix-A-Lot wrote a song about him. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, congratulations to Kale McCarr. Doesn't matter yeah. if it's uh, only 308 points. I uh, feel pretty comfortable in saying that when it's all said and done, he's going to be up uh, over 1,000, which will put him in some uh, rarefied air. Do, by the way, how many defensemen do you think in the history of the NHL have uh, over 1,000 career points? Because there's no doubt Kale will will join that group. How many do you think? Uh, 12, you 12. Eight. Eight. That's what I meant. That's it. Eight. And he is well on his way. Sean Payton, as he uh, looks at evaluating these college quarterbacks, these future studs with high ceiling potential, what's the toughest part of evaluating them? I think one thing that's hard to measure is their ability to multitask and process and make decisions. It's one thing, like you can visit with someone and, you know, they can be intelligent, but, man, how quickly... Can they deliver the information and how quickly can they get through the progression? Um, are they accurate? There's some fundamental things that we have to see that are present. It's like Brock Purdy. How do you, if that matters so much to coaches, and I assume it does, not just Sean Payton, how do you miss on Brock Purdy? You miss on Brock Purdy because. Probably one because his skill set didn't jump off the table. His arm talent doesn't jump off the table. He'll tell. He'll be the first to tell you, man. I, I've always had to overcome lack of arm talent. 
with timing and accuracy and all those things. But he also played in an offense that was a typical college offense. Static formations, you know, throwing it to one dude. So you had no idea, never been under shot, never been in, never been in anything but shotgun, even through high school. So his ability to, you would have never known his ability to process. You, there's no way you could have found that out. His intelligence, his ability to process, his ability to work and, and figure out drops and be perfect in his timing and his feet and his the, the foot energy and everything else that he has. Like, the, like how do you know that? You, you don't. That's what makes this thing so fascinating, man. Contavious Caldwell Pope would not. He did share yesterday that uh, Nikola Jokic sent a text message to the entire team coming out of the All-Star break that got everybody pumped up. Would not divulge what was in that text, but did acknowledge that uh, Nikola Jokic, much more vocal this year. Just him being vocal. Uh, I would say, you no, know, for the two years I've been here, uh, last year he, he was he was vocal, but this year it's, it's, it's a lot more. Uh, and and we, we all respect, you know, he don't, he's a man of many words, so when he do speak, we all listen. Uh, so, and it's just great for this to have him, like, to be a, vo- a more vocal leader this year. So just, like, getting everybody motivated through, through text, individually, on the court, off the court. So uh, we, all, we all appreciate it. I am so happy to hear that because your best leaders have to be vocal leaders. Whenever I have ever heard an athlete over the years say, well, you know, my form of leadership is leading by example. Mm. Boop, boop, that right at that moment, red flag goes up. The moment anybody comes out and says, yeah, I don't believe in being a, a, a vocal leader. I just, mm. I like to lead by example. Right there, you have just outed yourself as being somebody who does not want to be a leader. Well, the, just, the moment anybody says, please, it, it, file it. Anytime anybody says, hey, uh, you know, I, my, my, I, be, I believe in leading by example. Out, gone, you're not a leader. What does Serbian sound like? Do we get any Serbian? Do we have Jokic saying anything as Serbian? Oh, we just did. Do we still have that drop? From the, uh, all, from the All-Star break when he a- answered a question in... Uh, I need some Serbianese. Is that right? The Serbianese? Yeah. I don't know. Serbanek? Serbanya? God, I don't want to come across as an ugly American. I, I, well, Serbi- you know, it's Serbi- too late. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Touche. Touche. He probably. Damage has been done. I've got a theory on why he, he said something in Serbianese. <laughs> But I don't know what Serbian sounds like. Let me give you a couple of Serbian words. Give me a Serbian word. I don't know. Well, we'll find that because when he answered that question at the All Star break, I was just, I was in, I was in. Oh, okay, you got it? it? Yeah, let me All right, hear you. Here you go. Here you go. Oh, now I'm him. Oh, with him. Which, of course, is Serbian. This is what he texted him. He just texted his teammates, Ishnik Bolik, <laughs> which is Serbian for Let's Ride. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Well, since I've already gone down the ugly American path, I'll, yeah. just, I'll just go all the way down. Man, when he was talking just there, it's like, it's like, remember when you would, and you can still do it today, because 
you, you take a record uh-huh. and you play it backwards. Yeah. And it oh. says, yeah, yeah. That yeah. was that. So yeah. there you go. That's what uh, speaking Serbian sounds like to me is playing a record backwards. There you go. Full ugly American uh, all the way. Coming up next, the grades are in. The NFL Player Association Report Card. Where do the Broncos rank in terms of taking care of players, ownership, and what kind of grade did Zach, uh, did uh, Sean Payton get from the players? Ooh. We'll tell you next. It's Schlereth and Evans on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Every year, the NFL Players Association comes out with their team, owner, coach rankings. It's basically a, a ranking of what franchises take care of their players the best. Okay? It's a tattletale report card. What, what do you mean? Well, you get to tattle on your team. If you don't like what they're doing, you know, you give them bad grades. So it's like when you are given the chance to do the supposed to be anonymous uh review of the company you work for yeah okay yeah well last year the broncos uh didn't rate that great they were 20th in terms of um their treatment of uh the players mm-hmm. like um treatment of families for example last year d plus these are the bronco players right voting d plus which put them uh 21st in the league uh d for the locker room um now oh no this was this year this was this year though so this year the treatment of the families was uh a d plus mm-hmm. yikes this year the locker room got a d yeah well it's basically the same locker room you guys had right yeah essentially. pretty much yeah. yeah it's essentially it's not it's not as big and you know and there are not as many amenities in that locker room, I think, as, as there are in some NFL locker rooms. Uh, the cafeteria and food was ranked 10th out of the entire NFL. Good cafeteria. I can give you the cafeteria rankings. I've been. I, You've been in most of them? I've been in most of yeah, them. Who's yeah, who's got the best cafeteria and best food in the NFL? It's not a huge cafeteria, but the food in San Francisco is tremendous. Really? Tremendous. That, that's delicious. Uh, Seattle's has got... Seattle's cafeteria is huge, and it's got it's got good stuff. Broncos are Broncos are up there. They they do a they do a really nice job. Who else got good food? Hmm. Philly Philly has good food. Really? Yeah. Who's got bad food? Oh, well, there's some there's some teams that you know throw some pizza slices at you. Or, <laughs> box box lunches. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's a couple. Really. Yeah, like Chicago, on, Chicago brings you a box lunch. They don't let you go into their facility. Really? Yeah. Uh, Arizona's that way, too. They, they'll they bring you uh, Panera, like Panera sandwiches and salads and stuff. Hey, man, don't sleep on Panera. Tasty of course, they got, they got guys, like, if you get extra, if you go extra, like, take a little take-home with you, you get charged in your, in your check at Arizona. Seriously? Dude, they are. Seriously? Oh, dude, it, I'd they like take, to see they money. Take- Money, money out. out of your paycheck. Yeah, because you got an extra plate, like a take-home plate. Really? Wow. Yeah. They don't even tell you either. You just get it. Yeah, they, most guys don't even recognize that. Right. They've been docked. Wow. Oh, yeah. 
So the uh, Broncos last year, um, and, and this was something the Penner Group really put a focus on improving, was the the overall um, facilities and their grades went up dramatically. Mm. Um, but the treatment of families, a D last year, a D this year. Oh, yeah. I... The locker room, D last year, D this year. Why do you think the treatment of families got the D? I have no idea. What do you think? You you know how this the inner workings work here. What do you got? Well, when Sierra and Russ's family get carte blanche to go in and use the bathrooms and stuff and nobody else does? Yeah. That's BS. That is. Yeah. It's a good call. Yeah, that that I give him an F. That that never felt right. That that never felt right. Uh some other rankings. Uh coaches rankings coaches grades so the following coaches got a's a pluses okay via the nflpa survey Can i guess a pluses go ahead there were three three a pluses yep dan campbell's gonna be on there yep oh he's was he okay yep. dan campbell's on there a pluses um sean mcveigh no hmm he got an a he got an A. Andy Reid. Andy Reid. Oh, yeah. That shouldn't And the that. third one was surprising. Kevin O'Connell. Kevin's a good dude, man. But he is he's hard on his guys, though. He is he coaches hard. Following coaches got A's grades. Sean McDermott, Zach Taylor, Mike McCarthy. Okay. Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel. Mm-hmm. Coach Capri Pants. Mm-hmm. Nick Sirianni. Really? Because that locker room seemed like it was coming apart the seams. Mm. Uh, Mike Tomlin, Kyle Shanahan, and Pete Carroll. A minus. Jonathan Gannon, Sean Payton, Brian Dable, Doug Peterson, Shane Steichen, Frank Reich, D'Amico Ryans. Frank Reich got fired. Boy, I tell you what, this. let me just stop you right there. Sean Payton got an A minus? Yeah. That's not going to sit well with the Rusties. And all the people on our text line that hate Sean Payton. He's arrogant. He's not good. He's mean. He yelled at Russ. What does that say? What about what about your players? What does it say that your players gave Sean an A minus even after people in the media were complaining about him yelling and Aaron Russ out on the sideline? Does it say anything about how the players felt about Russ? And if you're saying, well, of course the players are going to give the coach a good grade, they want to make sure that they're employed and that this mm-hmm. anonymous report doesn't get back to the coach. But there are plenty of coaches with bad grades and, and highly respected coaches. Uh, Sean Payton got a higher grade from his players than John Harbaugh did. John Harbaugh, B+. Plus. Matt LaFleur, B+. Plus. Mike Vrabel, B+. Plus. Uh, Robert Sala, a B Ooh. with the Jets. Brandon, uh, let's see what else. So we got uh, Kevin Stefanski, a B, in Cleveland. What's the lowest? Stefanski did a great. You get one guess as to who got the lowest grade. One guess. That's all. You got a D. Only coach with a D. Only coach. Only coach with a D. With Can a you guess? D. Yep. Uh, one. A- AFC or NFC? AFC. AFC. One coach with a D. Doesn't mean he he started the season as a coach. Doesn't mean he finished it. Come oh. on. Come on. It's so easy. Oh, Josh McDaniel. Exactly. Right. Do your job and quit making up. 
One coach got a D. Most of that grading scale Josh. goes from an A to a C for the most part, right? Because you're afraid to give your guy anything less only than a C. In three, case it- only three coaches got below a B minus. Yeah. Uh, C plus for Arthur Smith, C for Ron Rivera, D for Josh McDaniels. <laughs> Hurricane Josh never. He doesn't, he doesn't have a job right now. No. He doesn't have a job. He and, that, Bill, the, he and Bill don't have jobs. That's surprising. They're going to get back together. Somewhere. Oh, they're going to get back together, and I'm telling you what, the the film is just going to be oh, the amount of hidden cameras and <laughs> you know, stuff that they're going to. They're going to spend the whole offseason just working with state-of-the-art Silicon Valley IT people. Mm. They're going to have the latest advances. I've got a couple IT people that. Time to, to light to. the lamp, brought to you by Papa Murphy's as the uh, avalanche. I, I, would you say that last night's win was a – I'm so um, funny. You w- don't even know that I'm funny. Would you funny say that funny. last night was a real good check-the-boxes check type yes, performance yeah. for the Avs? For the Avs, yeah, absolutely. I thought, I thought you know, obviously production from your fourth line is big. I thought that – Two goals. I thought uh, just the spacing in some of their rushes – toward the stars net was was great um just almost impossible to defend to defend that way i thought their their neutral game in, in neutral ice like their ability to create turnovers and get odd man rushes i thought i thought all that stuff was fun to watch i did, i thought they played really well that way Jared Bednar said that uh, Alexander Georgiev had one of his best games of the season. I was going to say, Gorgi played really, you know, he gave up that first goal in the first minute, but other than that, he, I mean, he played really well. So you get two goals. If you get, usually a coach goes into a hockey game saying, hey, coach, what would you like from your fourth line? I want energy. I want um, hits. I want to I want to create some momentum on the ice that when my top line jumps over the boards, mm-hmm. we have momentum. That's that's usually all they all you really want from the fourth line. Check a little bit, bang some people around. Yeah. Hey, what, they're going to score a goal tonight? Awesome. I'll take a fourth line goal. Never mind two. And right. the first two of the game, that is that is unheard of. You know what I always say. What do you always say? If you score two goals from your fourth line on a Tuesday, uh-huh. you're going to win every one of those I'm games. I'm sure there's a stat for that. Every one of those. Sure I guarantee you, when they get two goals from their fourth line on Tuesdays, they are undefeated. And the best, biggest box that was checked, what was it? The biggest, oh, McKinnon. McKinnon. It, the streak. It, the streak. This thing is DiMaggio. 20, 29 games with a point. If he, you get a point for the second assist. Yes. If he gets... If what about gets, the third assist? Do, do there is have no third? third assist. It's just two. But there's two. You get two. You get the primary so you, assist and the secondary assist. So you, if you make pass, the pass it to a guy that who makes passes pass. it to a guy who scores a goal, you get a point. Yes. That is so chicken doo-doo. Really? Oh, my gosh. So would you like in the spirit of, like, shootout losses and overtime losses, would it be? Would you feel better if the second assist was like a half a point? Is is because I actually can see where you're going at. Why should the guy that actually sets up the goal score? Why does he only get the same point that the guy who passed it to him, who then passes it to the? Shouldn't it be more value for the first assist? So it should be a full point for the primary assist and a half a point for the secondary assist. 
change the whole way we do stats? We do the standings now, differently now. We're now. Gonna go, now we're going to go half points. Half points. Lord, well, you might as well go half. Half I mean, apples. Everybody, you know what? Everybody that's on the ice at the time, even if a guy's hanging over the board because they're going to make a switch, everybody gets a point. Well, that is actually what helps lead to your plus minus. So yeah. <laughs> that's, that's another stat for you. Ah, oh, there's so many good ones. That'll do it. Great show, everybody. Good, good job. Thank you to uh, Rogue and uh, Johnny Fever. You guys, awesome jobs at uh, 6 a.m. We appreciate that. And uh, thank you all the great textures. We appreciate it. We'll uh, see you again tomorrow morning starting at 6. Josh and Stoke coming up next.